0: you yes. connect with the Spirit of the Lord and power then it changes everything. It changes everything. You start walking forth in this great connection and communion with God, and great things happen, and giants fall. Um, and my answer or response to that is yeah, but. Not that God doesn't do that. Not that that doesn't authentically happen for me and I would think for you when we encounter God. But there's this whole other line of stuff that just doesn't line up with that for me. God does show up. He does do great things. He is amazing. He does fill us with his character and his nature. But then I'm still will. At the end of the day, no, I'm actually not, I'm John. And uh, when I have those encounters, you know, I kind of come out of that and say things will be different and changed, and that's my dad yeah, part of that. And then I have this other experience, this the thought part where it's like, maybe I need another encounter, maybe I need a little more healing, another experience of God's presence. And we read this story, and when we think about it, and we listen to the story of David and Goliath, it seems like everything is lining up for him to just roll through in God's powers, Breathing on him and his tails are full and he's just making traction. But I think if we look a little bit deeper at the story, that's not all that is going on there. So we're going to talk about David Goliath today, but we're not going to do David Slice the giants. We're going to look a little bit at the backstory. So my name is John Alice. I've known Will, I think, for about 15 years. I was trying to figure that out. And it's been a long time. I'm currently serving at the Encounter Junior Church in Newport, Kentucky. And uh, what I'm going to try and do is condense five decades into two minutes to give you a little bit of my story. And kind of what I want to do really is line me up with David in some ways. Deep breath. Here we go. I grew up in mean, so Mississippi. went to a Baptist church on Blue Rock Road. I got a great foundation in Christian education, way more than I realized I had. In the process of growing up, I faced some hard things in my life, which we all do. I made some bad choices in response to those hard things. And then I decided that if I wasn't good enough. When I look around my church, everybody seemed like They were dressed, they were polite, and I was not that. So I just kind of checked out of church and walked down that road for a very, very long time and got really broken in the process. So, some years later, my mother leveraged me into some AA meetings. <clears throat> and, um, you know, she just, she had the ability to say, like, if you want a place to sleep and something to eat, you should go to meetings. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then she said, well, I want you to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And I was like, I was like, that's every day. Why don't to go out and drink with my friends? that's like, the point. So, as I began to experience attempt, and I will say attempts to bridle my spirituality, was a weekend. And in the midst of that, I crawled into the Vineyard Church in Anaheim, California. And there yeah, I encountered God in ways that I never had. I discovered an investment that he had put in me and my youth. But I didn't realize I had started to encounter men and women that were following God and leading lives or connected to him. And I had the experience of encountering God and getting changed. Things were happening. It was wonderful. And I had a great opportunity to experience community and life together in service. And I thought, that I fast forward, I get invited from California to an internship at the Vineyard in Tri-County. Um, I don't know what internships look like in the real world. But the internship at the Tight Cutting Vineyard was no money. Um, the prediction from Steve was, you can read books, we'll talk, and drink coffee. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. So I came out and it allowed me great access to amazing people and great opportunities to serve and to lead. And they did eventually find a janitor's position so I could actually feed my family, which was really exciting three years of doing that with Steve, um, Barry calls up and says, hey, would you like to be a pastor down here at North Kentucky, my associate pastor? I'm kind of like, um, I don't know, you don't get really at clean toilets. Um, don't know if the career change going really be in my favor. So I said yes to Barry. Got this great opportunity. Again, access to more people, opportunities to serve and lead. And as a young leader, it was just, it was wonderful, great mentoring from Barry. I grew in just a lot of different ways. About 13 years ago, I started sensing this call to plant a church. Now, in my early experience at the Vineyard in Anaheim, um, all the leaders that were investing in me would lead. They'd leave to go plant churches. So my assumption was if you loved Jesus and followed him, you went to plant a church. So 13 years ago, I started wrestling with, hey, I should probably do that. Is it about time And yeah, I had an encounter with God? that was empowering and powerful. And I felt like all these skills that he had been helping me learn were now going to be, you know, brought and used to plant this church. And I felt like there was nothing good happening in the Riverside communities here. And so I wanted to see a vineyard down there that it the impact and change that community. I felt like God sent me to do that, so we moved to Campbell County and we started planting the church. And it was uh, really... Um, uh, Different experience. <laughs> because I felt like I see David and yes, I had all this training, all this stuff was coming together. God called, empowered, challenged me to do this. So of course I'm going to step down there and it's just going to be wildly successful. My assumption was if you love Jesus, talk the Bible and introduce people to Jesus and play guitar, you have unlimited growth. Like it just, you know, you build bigger things right away that wasn't my experience. And that left me incredibly disappointed, disillusioned, and just broken about what was happening. And so, that is kind of the place that I'm at. I'm going to (coughs) pause excuse me, I'm going to pause right there for a second because I want to come back to David. David's story, when you see as he's going out to fight Goliath, well, the the backstory is you, you think everything's moving forward and it's you know, gangbusters in there. Now he's David the giant slayer and all, everything's moving in his direction. He's been anointed by Samuel. he's been recognized by his family and by his king and by all this great stuff is And it's not. You see, he is anointed by God. He is empowered to do the things that he's called to do. But there's all this other stuff that isn't lining up with that. And so I want to look at that a little bit. And I think as we learn from Bible characters, particularly David and, and Peter are some of my favorites because they show both sides of the coin. They, they're good stuff and they're bad stuff. And you know, my reality is I have two sides to my coin. You know, there's stuff that I'm proud of and excited of, and then there's stuff that just is broken and messed up and constantly shame. And these guys talk about theirs, and that allows me to talk about mine and find healing and growth. So I'm going to ask God to come and kind of connect us with David's story this morning and maybe bring some healing into our lives, okay? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your love for us. And even as we sang this morning, that it just, it's relentless. It never ends. And we don't deserve it, but you give it freely, and we want to drink it deeply of that love today. We want to have encounters, God, that do change us, that do shape us, and form us, and draw us into your character, and into your competencies, so that we we look like you, and we do the things that you do, Jesus. Help us today. Minister to us. Come and meet us. We ask it in your name, Lord. Amen? All right. So I think the big challenge for David is, and I would say that Challenge for me, and I would expect a challenge for you. It's not necessarily what God is doing, it's the path He takes us to get there and the timing. Those are different places where I fall off the wagon. So, my expectations, what I think is going to happen, and when I think it's going to happen, bring real challenges to us experiencing God's empowerment and walking forward with that. So, in David's case, it looked very different because he was anointed and empowered and ready to move forward but had relational challenges at every front and they're kind of hidden in the text but look, I just want to I want to draw them out and look at them so the first relational challenge that David faced was with his father um, you, Will told you last week you know when Samuel said hey call all your sons he didn't even bother to get David Right? So David's the youngest son of eight. I don't know how many daughters Jesse had, but he's not the youngest of eight. He's the youngest son of eight. So this is like a huge family. And David just was of no account. There's no other way to explain it. You know, Jesse brings all his sons. I and mean, he brings them all. Except David. Like David didn't even get a call. You know, nobody to him. They didn't send a servant to go get him. He just did not. So, in the midst of all told you, you know, all the other sons, Melan get anointed, and David gets anointed, in front of his father at the, the sacrifice that Samuel is doing. This is going to change everything, right? Now he'll finally be included, and you know what happens? Not so much. The three older brothers too, I don't know what happens to Numbers four through seven because they don't have names, they never exist, they're just numbers. Jesse might have got bored, came to his senses, and said, Gosh, we should name this last guy. Let's call him David. But the first three are named continually. They go off to battle. They're going to fight with Saul. Well, David is anointed to lead, and he's filled with the Spirit of the Lord and power. Don't you want him on your team at the point of attack? He's not. He's out in the field with the sheep still. Now, shepherding in that culture was the lowest job you could have. Shepherds were untrustworthy. They weren't allowed to testify in court. Their profession banned them. Could you imagine a profession in our culture that might be banned from testifying in court? I'm kidding. Don't shout anything out. There might be one here. but it just was not in his position. And even at that, so he's out, he's disregarded. He's, he's back out in the field, he's not doing what God has equipped him to do. And then Jesse calls him, and he doesn't call him in to fight, he's like, hey, I need you to write an errand for me. You know, your 3 older brothers who are totally cool when they're out fighting. And I need you to go take them these booty bags and they come back and tell me how they're doing. And that's Jesse's treatment of He's he's his errand boy. So relationally, when you think about what's going on with David, he's been honored above his brothers. And you would think that that would bring some change in distracts us, it pulls us up from the side, it messes with us. Because our experience of God is closely related to our experience of our earthly father. It's a huge challenge. God wants to address that. He's going to show us through David ways that we can deal with that. But that's not the only relational place that David's struggling. He's also struggling still in the dynamic with his brothers. He goes down, runs again, and he's being faithful and beautiful. And what was happening at the battle at that time is Goliath would come out in the morning and he would say, sorry, the morning and the evening, he would come out two times a day, and he'd say, Listen, your things, send somebody out to fight me. If I win, you become our slaves. If you win, we'll become your slaves. And David arrives in camp right as the battle lines are being drawn, so everybody's going out, and then Goliath steps out into the middle of the plane and issues this challenge. And so David starts asking questions like, Who is this guy? And where are we? God with us. Where is your champion to cut his head off? You know, like, we're not doing this. And his brother. Eliab brother says this, the oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him. White hot instantly. Why did you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So just, you know, David's asking questions like, what's going on? And Eliab is just like, Damn. And David's like, what have I done? I asked a question. See, older brother, younger brother. I'm the oldest in my family. Yeah. I'll apologize. That kind of stuff happens. We think we know everything. We think we understand everything about our siblings. And there's a family dynamic at work here. That you would think. Have you grown and changed since you were kid Anyone in the room? Can I get a hand? Nice. Some of you came out very large at birth if you haven't been able to change since then. Have your family dynamics always changed with you? Do people recognize who you are and how you are and what's going on in your life and the way that you carry yourself? It changes. If it's healthy and living, it changes, right? It grows with you. It's a huge dysfunction. There's just a, a blatant. Dislike in his own family, like he is treated like a shepherd, but a hired one, not family. So, how many of us, as God tries to do new things in our lives, move us forward into his purposes, empower us, empower us, the Spirit of the Lord in power, are thrown back into situations, and you know, when I get pushed back into there by my I start responding. But like David didn't even see anything, you know. He goes off to talk to somebody else. The dynamics are powerful, and we need to grow past those. So, God has done what God is doing, but there's still challenge from our experiences in the places that we live. One more place where David is experiencing relational distress, and that's actually with King Saul. At the end of chapter 16, after he's been anointed, there's this little kind of parenthetical insert. It's a little story. As God withdrew, so God's done with Saul. He's proposed to him. He's like, you you don't like me. You don't do what I ask. I'm not going to let you leave my people. So God withdraws. The tormenting spirit comes and makes Saul crazy. And so those guys are like, you've got to find somebody to soothe you with songs about God. that just, will push the spirit away and allowing you to relax. And this guy says, oh, I've heard this kid saying, You know, he's um, great, he's good-looking, he's well-spoken, you should check him out. So Saul sends for David, the good-looking singer, to come and be in his court and sing. And this is what his response is when he sees uh, David. So David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. And Saul so, like Jesse, saying, "Oh, sorry, Saul sent to Jesse, saying, "Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him." anointed and empowered to create music, to write, to engage the Spirit of God in a way that brings relief and peace to all, And he's not recognized for it. How many of you, in a corporate setting, are wrestling with lack of recognition for what you do? You do well. You do in areas that God has gifted you. Put you in a place that you're there. And it's not going the way or at the pace that you thought it would. You wrestle with this because in my Christian brain I think if I just encounter God he's gonna fix all that stuff and it's gonna be different. Yes. But there's change, there's challenge. So what are we to do if it if, you know an encounter with God where we fall on our knees and weep and the spirit of the Lord touches us and we move and empower. makes it the absolute solution. What are we to do? How are we to engage with these challenges that come at us? I want to look at it as a person and just see some of the things that he did. Jesus and what he's done in my life. There's uh, the book of Psalms. It is largely written by David, and there are these songs of thanks and trust and declaration about who God is and what He's done for us. And one of the ways that we fight being led around by the nose by our expectations is to give God thanks for what is. And David was really good at doing that. Now, giving thanks, if, if we're going to do that it can stop at, hey, thanks. But we really want to talk about more than that. So the Psalms are a great tool for us in Jesus' prayer to communicate with God, to say things that we need to say and want to say but don't quite know how to say. So Psalm 37, when David begins, it starts with, do not fret. That's a way to give thanks. I can tell God that I don't have to worry about what my dad thinks of me. My interaction with my siblings. Not, I'm uh, disregarding that, but that's not going to be the lead dog. I don't have to fret about that. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to make it right. That's an active Thanksgiving. And he repeats that thing, you'll see, do not fret three or four times through those first eight verses. It's an active way to gives thanks. The next is trust. I can trust God with my life, with my purpose, with my meaning, with my eternity and my presence, that I can give him thanks in the midst of this by declaring that trust. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you are. So if we're going to deal with our expectations and some of the challenges, we need to find ways to say this to God It's a declaration of thanks. I can be still. I can wait patiently. Now, that's a prayer of faith for me because there's nothing in me that is still or patient. I'm anxious and concerned all the time, but this is a place where I can thank God that I have that opportunity. So the Psalms are a great resource for us to deal with what is already happening, what God has already done, and what is not yet connected to that. It's a way for us to into God's place and into His rhythm and allow Him to put us on the path that given him to do the task that was at hand, I have the propensity to get so concerned with what's down there that this was right here. And that's damaging. In planting the church, I, I had these expectations of a few, I'd been a part to the Anaheim of the when I was there it was 2,500 people or something. I came to Cincinnati and the figure there was like 800 people and I showed up and then it grew by almost double before I left. And then I came to Florence and there was 200 people and that was up at a ridiculous number before. So in my brain, I'm like, it just grows. Like you just show up and you smile and you love Jesus and then thousands of people come. And when that didn't happen, I started trying to fix things that were broken. Because my expectation wasn't being met, and it's supposed to look like this, and it doesn't, and then that means something's wrong with me. So I would try harder. I would redouble my efforts into things that I wasn't good at, and then I was twice as bad at it. Because it's not me, it's not the way I'm wired up. But I had something to fix, because my expectation was we were going here, I would want to get in there. So, the great things things that God was doing in my small circle. My small group of friends and people that had gathered to this, I couldn't see because I was looking beyond them. And I disregarded that. And that was devastating not only to me to what God was trying to do but to those individuals. Because there wasn't enough celebration of what God was already doing. God was already doing good stuff. But if our expectation is that it's going to be some other pace, some other place, some other path, we miss what's happening right here and right now. So I walked out of that road for such a long time that I finally decided I'm just not fit to be a senior pastor. I, I can't do this. It's, it's not me. I don't. I like being on this bus. I like where it's going. I like the people I'm traveling with. But I am not a good driver. I, you know, I get distracted by so many things, and that just makes for bad for all the passengers, you know? So I hired my alter ego. I fired myself. And I hired, on my bad days, I would be really angry about but wasn't working at the church, I would say to John, if I just prayed more, if I planned better, if I had more vision, if I could build teams, da it, da write all the things I wasn't good at. And I would stand on my side of the fence and I'd look over at the green glass and I'd say, if I was just those things, God would, fix this church, and it would be big. So I hired that guy. I found him. He was working at the Vineyard in Florence. His name's Cliff. He came over. He plans. He prays. He builds teams. It's awesome. It's what God is doing with our church. The same thing he's always done. That this little group of people us doing amazing things on a very small scale. It was my expectation. It was jacked up in this place at this time, that's what God's doing. And he's led us into some really good stuff. And so that hiring of of Cliff, really he hired me, because when I fired me, I fired me all the way. I said, if you like me, when you come, I will work for you and serve you. I'm not not leaving. But I'm not saying, you know, I'm I'm holding back something. Here's the keys, the budget, the board, it's all yours. If you like me, I'll be here. If you don't, you know, you can tell me believe, leave, but I, I plan on staying here and serving. And he decided he liked me. So we've kind of partnered up. But he's definitely, in every way, a lead guy. And I, I serve and work with him. But we have such a value. We're, we're gaining in it. Night and day, just totally, totally different. But he is an incredible gift to me. Because all the things that I would just fret over that I couldn't do, he does without thinking about it. It just It's, it's magic firsthand for him. He's just like, oh, yeah. We have to, and he's just got the list, and he checks it off. And it's awesome, and it allows me to go chase shiny things. So I, right, I get to go. I teach the kids. I get to do our outreach stuff. I do the things I'm good at. And there's freedom and glory, and it is a great path that God's put me on. But it didn't go the way I wanted, because it still hasn't produced the fruit that I thought it was going to. But it's okay. I know God's got me. Yes, connected with the Spirit. Yes, his purpose. Yes, his plan. But, still has to deal with John. Still has to deal with the people around. He's still working. So, for us, a final encouragement that we have these jobs where we need to give thanks. We need to be in a place where that's a regular discipline for us. We need to fight today's battle. He is preparing you to carry forth his purpose in the world. That's always the, the end game for Jesus, says I am going to carry my word everywhere. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go and chuck to Africa, although I've done that, and it's awesome, and if you have the opportunity, I would say by all means, go to Africa with Chuck. You'll have a great time. It doesn't mean you have to do that. It, it just means that you've got to be about God's business and the place that he's put you, the, the place where you live, the place where you work. The hobbies that you engage in, those are the places God's established you to be a bearer of his kingdom. And so you need to fight the battles that come to you in those places, because that's what God's preparing you for. If he's called you to the nations, then he's going to get that started here, today, now. And we just need to be engaged in what God's doing there. The last thing I want to encourage you with is something that Paul wrote in Ephesians, and this has always been, Text for me. We have encounters with God where he fills us. That that thing that David experienced is not unique to David. It happens again and again and again to us. And when Paul says at the end of this line, instead be filled with the Spirit, there's a future perfect in the Greek. So he says, be being filled. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. We leak. Right? We get filled with the Holy Spirit and we believe it dissipates. Life happens. We need to find ways to connect and reconnect with God if we are going to impact the world, if we are going to overcome the relational challenges that we all have that try to off swipe and pull, off what God's, pull us off what God's trying to do in and through us. We need to find ways to be being filled with the Holy Spirit continually asking God to do that for us. Now as we close I really would love to pray for you with you. If you have things that are going on that you don't anytime we talk about relationship it's challenging because we all have relationships that are challenging Um, As I said I'm an oldest son and uh, my mom loves me but at times it feels like she's the only one So, there's just stuff that we have, and when we talk about it, sometimes God's putting his finger on something, and there's a a place through this morning that was stinging, that you felt that God was putting his finger on. He's just inviting you to healing. He's just inviting you to to process it, and not layer. I don't think it's going to magically fixed, but I know that God engages us where we are, and he allows us to respond and participate with what he's doing. But good ideas don't change things. They never have. Action changes things. So if you feel like God is pushing on something, take action. As you know, going back to finish off the donuts, go up here. I would love to pray with you. There might be others here that, that do that kind of thing. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. Um, if you feel like that being filled saying like, I just need God to refresh me, hot summer already and I need a cool drink of oh, God's goodness. I believe he wants to release that to us. That's part of our birthright. It's part of what God does for his kids. And I want to bless that for you. So if you'd like prayer, I invite you to come this way, but let's stand Difficulties. We can face uh, confusion in what we expect from you. We can face you changing the path dramatically from where we thought we were going and what we thought was going to happen and when, if we are confident in your love for us. So I bless my friends this morning to know your love. I ask you to drive it deep into their hearts and their minds and that it will be the preeminent theme that they are loved by you. Everything that challenges, everything that comes against, I ask God that you would just cross against them with your love and you would remind them that your love is first and foremost and as we say, that it never fails, it never gives up. Your relentless love is our hope and our peace. And we want to dream of it today, Jesus. Lead us. We ask it in your name. Amen. We can pray for you. Come this way. Steve's got great coffee in the bag. Thank you so much for having me. great to be here this morning. The same love that's